one. What's going on, Jason? Hey, not much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. This is uh, the God is Awesome podcast. If you are listening to us, uh, you tuned in, you wandered off somewhere, uh, we're happy to have you. This is a podcast about Christians giving their testimonies about how God has shaped and transformed their lives and uh, just kind of just reflecting on it. Um, so we want to just thank anyone who's listening and who's turning into the live Facebook group right now. Um, if you are on, just thanks uh, for doing everything. Just please subscribe and follow us and share this testimony. If you feel like someone else you know might um, benefit from it, a quick shout out to the Cruises and Mary for joining us uh, live here today. Anyway, uh, let's get started. Oh, by the way, my name is Aaron, but more importantly, we got the star of the show, Jason Palm, who is the associate pastor, campus pastor of Sunlight Community Church in uh, St. Lucie West. And so, uh, Jason, just super glad that you're here. Uh, we're going to kick things off to you. Origin story. Uh, tell us how you became saved, uh, maybe a little bit of background, how you grew up. And uh, yeah, the uh, floor is yours. All right, great. Um, I, I always say that I'm not sure there's one of uh, two times when, when uh, you know, God changed my heart of stone and gave me a heart of flesh. The first time I remember... Uh, I guess saying the sinner's prayer, actually my cousin Paul and uh, his wife Alicia uh, at that time asked me to uh, asked me to pray a prayer when I was eight years old in a steak and shake parking lot. Steak and shake. Yeah. Holy of holies. The best uh, in the park, you know, so it was legit, right? Um, yep. Anyway, uh, I'm not sure if that took uh, or not. I'm not sure if that was when, um, but I had a like a monumental shift in college. Um, uh, growing up, I, I went to a church. My parents were super involved in the church, which was awesome. Uh, they actually were in a gospel quartet. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. but, and I was involved with the church there, but, uh, there was a lot of things where, um, I didn't really know enough about the Bible to really think that it was anything other than just a book that we talked about on Sundays. Uh, I, as much as I wish that I had by the time I got to college, even though I went to a, a great church, everything like that, great people, um, I just didn't really understand that the Bible was God's word. So when I got, it didn't click. It didn't click so, exactly. So you were in, you were in, was it high school and Steak and Shake when they prayed for you? Well, I was eight. Oh, eight. Uh, okay. In Steak and Shake, and then after that, that's what I'm saying. I'm not sure if it was. I'm not sure if it took. Gotcha. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Or if you God just kind of li- you just kind of lived life, just, just kind of lived. Okay, yeah. And and then uh, college hit, and I really did a lot of living. <laughs> what does that mean? What does uh, that mean? Well, I'll Pastor tell you what. Jason yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I lived a lot for myself. I did a lot of things and went to a lot of empty wells. And uh, what's what? What does that mean? What that means? Not church language. I uh, you know I was constantly uh, partying and. Uh, seeking after uh, people to fill the hole that uh, only God can. Got, uh, gotcha. Girls and alcohol. Girls and alcohol. Okay. And uh, everything in between. And gotcha. Okay. So I, I thought that was kind of my God. What's well, in, no, no. What's in between girls nothing. and alcohol? <laughs> <laughs> girls and alcohol. I should have just stopped there, I suppose. That's, that's it. That's the... Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. So you, you, were, you were going to these uh, different girls to try to uh, fill your, uh, like a, I don't know, like a desire or like a, what, like a purpose or, yeah. Or love. Uh, yeah. Okay. You, you think that people will fill your lack of acceptance, your lack of, um, mm. 
you know, real relationships. Uh, I think everyone like really down deep uh, doesn't want surface relationships. They want deep relationships. They yeah. want uh, someone that actually really cares about them, that mm-hmm. knows them and, um, and that are perfect in that. Yeah. And no people are. No, no. So anyway. Uh, so, so you're, you're kind of lost in your college years going from person to person or alcohol or party to party. Uh, kind of trying to fill a void. Yeah, pretty similar to uh, my background, and I'm sure some other people here. Um, so, if you guys are listening, please, um, you know, share it with someone who might be familiar with this. What What did that drive you to? Well, it's kind of interesting uh, because I had all this background in church. One day, I was walking on campus. It was my senior year. I wasn't sure what I was going to do next. Mm-hmm. My senior year of college, and there was this guy who was just condemning everyone to hell. Uh, he was standing on the sidewalk. He's just saying, he's basically like the Oprah of hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. I <laughs> <laughs> was like, was like uh, excited about it. Sidewalk preacher going to hell. Si- yeah. He's got the signs and everything. Yeah, yeah. Cowboy was, hat and mustache. Well, he, he brought like, I don't know if it was a soapbox, but he was elevated somehow, okay. which I thought was interesting. I thought that was like a good move. He brought his own soapbox. Sure. Um, but anyway, uh, he started talking and uh, he said that, so I, I was listening because there was a whole crowd of people yelling and I'm from Wisconsin. People don't yell. It's like the nicest place <laughs> in the world. So it's like, it's like Canada light. So uh, all these people yelling, it was, I had to listen. Sure. I'm like, why are these people angry? I've never seen that before. Yeah. Um, anyway, what happened is the guy said that, you know, uh, that he's not a sinner anymore. He's sinless. Okay. That God has cured him of his sin. And um, he said, and God loves me so much. He gave me two Ferraris. Now, all these people are yelling, mm. and, uh, and you know, I, I guess I have a loud voice, but I said, why'd you pick a Ferrari? Dude stops, turns to me, maybe because of the absurdity of the question, and says, why'd I pick it a Ferrari? <laughs> it's a Ferrari, man. <laughs> My neighbor had one growing up, and I always wanted one, and God gave it to me. I said, oh, so I guess you still covet then. Mm. And the guy flipped out. He was so mad because I called him on his junk. And then I said this. I said, hey, this guy doesn't know about a Jesus that that loves people, uh, the Jesus of love. If you want to hear about that Jesus, the real Lord, I'll be over there. And the worst thing that could have happened, happened. The whole group of people left this guy (laughs) and walked over on the grass with me. Come on, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I love this rally for Jesus. But remember, I didn't know anything about the Bible. Oh, yeah. I had no backing to say this. I didn't know anything. How old are you, like 21? Yeah, 20. 20, 21 years old. Uh, my alcoholism was now legal. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah. it just yeah. made the problem worse. But uh, at that time, I just said um, nothing. Except for, man, that guy, that guy sucked, right? Man, that guy's a jerk. Who Jesus is awesome but uh, that was my first sermon and i realized i had nothing to say Mm. and uh, i realized that uh who i was people knew me as the person that was gonna go crazy at all the parties that was gonna be the the one they'll do everything they'll make you laugh but you'd never do and i realized i was just a fraud so i uh was student what does that do for you when you realize you're like a a fraud that uh it's like a really humbling thing. Like for me, at that moment, I was like, I didn't even know if I was a Christian. 
but I just knew that I didn't agree with what he was saying. Mm. And then I thought to myself, man, I don't even know who I am as a person, you know? Mm. Um, so, you know, you know, what's right and true. At least, you know, what's not right and true, right? What this guy is saying, but you don't know like how that applies to you. Or if you, if you internalize that yourself or if it's true for your, you know, like if you could live into that yourself, that's interesting. Yeah. It was like, is that like a crisis of identity? It was a crisis of my whole identity was rooted in things that I didn't even know about. Right. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but my partying and all that stuff, I'd become someone that I wasn't. Right. I just didn't know who I was at all. Right. I knew I just, instead of being a man and like changing then I threw a dart at a map. What does that mean? Uh, I literally threw a dart at a map. Not like metaphorically. I physically threw a dart <laughs> at a map on where to move. Do you watch a movie or something? And that like was like the idea? Or nope. Do they do like, that in Wisconsin? Is I, that I like how you just, design stuff? It was there? like the premier version of escapism. Like, mm, okay. so, hey, I can't change here because I'm not like brave enough. Yeah. Where can be a place where I can start over? Interesting. So like, af like after college, you're like, okay, I'm just going to start over fresh. Yeah, I took a job in Port St. Lucie. Mm -hmm. uh, I applied because the map, I was going to be, a, I was a teacher for a decade. It hit Palm Bay, but my last name is Palm. I didn't want to be Mr. Palm in Palm Bay. Of course. So I went down to the next. Uh, I'm just surprised next, uh, that like it landed on, on, on land. It was in the ocean, actually. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so it was like to the right. I mean, I tell the story that it hit Palm Bay, yeah. but it was off the coast. Oh. <laughs> so. The gotcha. true story. Yeah. You hear it here. Gotcha. Gotcha. And yeah. so I aimed low on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to go to Florida. Yeah. So, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I could have ended up in Alabama. But yeah. <laughs> I didn't. So, so you're in uh, Port St. Lucie now. You move, you decide not to Palm City move, or Palm Bay. You move to Port St. Yep. Lucie. Um, what happens there? It was so, it was interesting because I came here. I didn't know anybody. Okay. I literally uh, was only here for a weekend when I got my apartment and did my interview. That was the only time I'd ever seen this place. Okay. And um, sight unseen. Sight unseen. And, uh, but it was somewhere else. And to be honest with you, I was super depressed and lonely. It was like uh, I went from the life of the party to having no one know anything about me. And I didn't know who I was. I used to go all the time. <laughs> it's so sad. But, so, you know, on, on TNT, they have those movies and there's commercials like every five minutes. So I would go to the gym just to be around people. I remember my lowest point. I watched 21 rounds with that. What's that guy's name? Uh, it doesn't matter, but he's like some WWE guy. He's in a movie on TNT, on TV. I sat there on the elliptical. I watched the entire movie just to be around people. Four hours on an elliptical uh, just so that I could be around other human beings. Yeah. So yeah, it was a pretty low point. Yeah, I'm sure. So, so where do you, I mean, like, where do you go from that? Like you're depressed, you have no friends, you know, no one here, you know, nothing about the town. It's actually a small town, Port St. Lucie. Yep. So and there's 10 not, years ago, it was yeah, smaller. 10 years, there's nothing to do. What, what happened? What changed? Well, uh, or what started to change? I think my first friend, here's what happened. It involves sunlight community church here. Uh, I've been trying other churches and actually there's some funny stories about other churches I tried, but the moral without dragging anybody through the mud, the moral is no one had ever said, a lot of people said hi to me, mm -hmm. but that's it. They didn't care about me as a person. I'm used to just somebody that doesn't really know who I am. Sure. Um, 
And then I, and then I woke up late on Easter. I'd been going to another church. So on the way to the gym that I spent a lot of time at only because I was so lonely, uh, there's this church that had a, a 1030 service at that time. I woke up late and, uh, I was like, who has service at 1030? Mm-hmm. Like what a random time. Yeah. But since I woke up late on Easter and I lived right in St. Lucie West, I came here, I sat behind a family, um, and uh, that family, the mother of that family turned around, uh, said hi to me. I was used to that, but then asked me where I was from, mm-hmm. how, I found, how I got here, and invited me over for dinner on Easter. Do you want to just come uh, over? And she had like two beautiful daughters. Mm-hmm. And so part of me was like very tempted to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'll go. Yeah. With but, them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't go. And um, later on, uh, I found out that uh, that family that was in front of me, I became close friends with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started coming to the church over and over again because Scott, the pastor, a senior pastor here, uh, was talking about how the Old Testament and the New Testament are the same book and how it goes back and forth and talks about that. I'd never heard that before. I thought there were two separate stories. And um, all of a sudden, I was super interested in the Bible. Uh, the older daughter of those people that sat in front of me went to college. Mm-hmm. So it was just the younger daughter who was 17. Mm-hmm. That was a problem. So I didn't, uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, God, I'm yeah. just here for the word. Then. Uh, that's good. And um, it ended up that uh, years later, after, or actually a year and a half later, after I became friends with this family and I've been going over to the home, they introduced me to their other daughter mm-hmm. uh, who was named Carissa and is now my wife and mother of my children. That's awesome, man. Yeah, so. And you've got a beautiful family, beautiful wife, beautiful in-laws and all that. Oh man, it's awesome. I just have super blessed, the most unbelievable family. You know, that's the difference I I often think about of a church that's warm versus a church that's welcoming. Hmm. You know, like there are churches that said hi to you and they're trained, just like sunlight here and we're, you know, that's welcoming, right? And it's just like, hey, what's going on? Being nice and stuff like that. But warm is like what, you know, your mother-in-law did yeah. was try to invite you and then like try to get to know you and stuff like that. I, re- I really appreciate that. And so uh, to the community of Sunlight, I mean, good job, especially Amy Kostinitz. I mean, just people being yeah. warm and friendly. Well, I, we hear that often, um, people saying just so so warm and loving. Um, okay, so let's, I want to back up to the Bible part. Sure. Um, wh- what what happened there? Like, why was that such a revelation? Um, how did you get involved in like, understanding how what the bible was in your life like tell me about your your growth and your faith sure um well first of all growing up i'd always always heard that the old testament was the that was when i'd bring stuff up like hey there's some inconsistencies on this why are we saying that this is okay now and and uh or that uh none of these laws apply why are we saying that Uh, and i would always hear well that's the old testament now we live in the new testament and so I always thought they were so different. And right. remember, I had not read them <laughs> in order to know any right. of the difference. Yeah. You uh, thought the Old Testament was irrelevant. Exactly. Okay. And then, um, actually, I remember the sermon that changed my life. Uh, Scott was preaching on uh, Numbers 21. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because uh, it talks about the snake in the wilderness. And it's this story where uh, the Israelites are in the wilderness. They're grumbling. They're grumbling. There's these snake, God 
uh, allows these snakes to come, these vipers to bite them and they're grumbling. And then they cry out, hey, you know, we, uh, mo uh, please, please talk to God and uh, tell him we're sorry. Basically, they raise this, uh, God instructs Moses to build a staff with a, a, a serpent on it, mm -hmm. a bronze snake, and hold it up super tall so that anywhere in the city, when the people got bit, they would then look up and see that snake and they would be healed. And then uh, Scott showed how that's actually right before the most famous verse in the Bible. In John 3, 14, mm -hmm. it says, like the snake in the wilderness, the son of man must be lifted up. Uh, and then it goes on to, to the most famous verse. So this idea is, once you realize you're bitten, you look up right. and Christ crucified on the highest point, right? You look up and then through the looking and knowing where you need to look, you're saved. Right. And um, when you put that with John 3, 16, sure. for God so loved the world. I mean, oh my <laughs> word. <laughs> yeah. I was it's just like, like, you've known 316 for the longest time, but now you like, no way. Yeah, gotcha. And so how did that affect you? Well, how I... What did that do to you? It asked, made me ask a lot of questions. Gotcha. I said, okay, if this is in the Bible, like, why aren't people talking about this? Gotcha. Why, why aren't people saying how this is all one story? Mm -hmm. And um, so I actually asked Scott. I was like, man, you know, this is so great. Why aren't people talking about this? The Bi I mean, there's so much in the Bible I've never heard about. And he said, hey, do you want to start meeting together? Mm-hmm. And uh, we started a uh, discipleship together, gotcha. which uh, ended up changing my life. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it built your faith. It built my faith. I started to see that this book that I thought was like a religious text is like a living word. Yeah. Applicable to every part of your life. Yeah. So, so you take that. How did you carry that into some of the most difficult parts of your life? Well, in a lot of different ways, um, uh, specifically in that time of discipleship, uh, is when, um, during that, there are all these verses I had to memorize. Mm -hmm. Um, and at that time was when my dad, uh, was diagnosed with leukemia. Okay. And, um, so basically, uh, he was struggling through this. He actually, in this meeting, when he was, uh, he had some, his prayer group over, I was there. He talked about, or we discussed as a group, Acts 5, uh, which is kind of an interesting, weird passage. But he said that maybe there might be this opportunity where he might uh, be able to preach the gospel to someone or, or talk about God to one of the nurses. Mm -hmm. And in Acts 5, it's where the uh, disciples, after they're beaten by the Sanhedrin, come out rejoicing that they were able to uh, suffer in the name of Christ Jesus. And... Uh, and I had seen that not only was God like working in my life and growing it, but my parents, God was working in them and their love for the Bible at the same time. And for me, that was like this awesome thing that God is like, not even just working in, in me, but like growing my whole family. And um, my mom is like this awesome woman of God as well. And my brother-in-law and sister as well are mm -hmm. like, uh, God's really working in their life. And it's so beautiful to see. Yeah. Um, so, so walk me through what's it like uh, with your father, leukemia, dealing with the death, and how does that balance out with faith? Well, 
so at the time I was going through discipleship, I thought that God maybe was calling me to be a pastor. Really? And uh, yeah, I thought, hey, maybe I'm supposed to be in ministry. Maybe uh, I didn't know what kind. How long ago was that? Um, like nine years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But here's what happened, Aaron, is the craziest thing. All these verses that I had memorized, I, um, I realized were all things you needed to hear when you're laying on your deathbed. Sure. And uh, my dad was in hospice. Basically, his platelets didn't come back after the chemo. Okay. So as soon as there's any kind of scratch at all inside, just from the wearing away of your blood cells going through, you just bleed out. Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. And your platelets will be like little pieces of duct tape that, that stop that from happening and allow it to heal. If you don't have any platelets, it's just a matter of time. Gotcha. So my dad eventually went from five days to every four days getting a blood transfusion to every other day, uh, to every day. And at that point, you know, you're spending four hours. So he decided that they were just going to stop and we didn't know how long he was going to be in hospice. It ended up that he had 16 next door neighbors. He was there for 32 days in, (laughs) in hospice. Um, uh, and it was a really low point. He's laying there just basically, with 31 days where you're basically unable to speak, just thinking about the end. Mm -hmm. And um, so I really took it as a blessing. I had all these verses that I'd memorized places in the Bible that, that uh, I had been looking at during discipleship that I was able to share with him. And at that time I'd come to the conclusion that all of this love for the Bible that God had given me, all these verses was so that I could be there for him. Yeah. And um, when he died, I, I know I'm kind of going off script here, but when he passed away, uh, it was like three in the morning. And um, my mom was, he was having a really hard time breathing. My mom was laying on the bed with him. And uh, I was singing uh, to him. Don't ask me to sing. It's horrible. But uh might have driven him over the edge. I don't know. <laughs> but and that's but uh, I was singing to him the songs that he loved and a song that I had written for him. And uh, he was just making eye contact with me. He couldn't sleep. And um, then as I finished that song, he took one gasp and uh, he died. I woke up my mom. I got the nurse. And when I came back, God gave me the most unbelievable gift which was I didn't even recognize the man that was laying there. Every part of who my dad was, was gone. Hmm. Uh, There was just like a shell and I had such peace that, you know, where he was and who he was with and that experience that should have been the worst day of my life. Um, I think shaped it and uh, I have such peace because I know where he is. Yeah. So it's fortified with the Bible verses and faith yeah. that you've been growing in. It ended up that those were for me too. Yeah. Nothing can separate, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. nothing can separate. So, especially when you watch like your, God. your hero, right? Your dad. Yeah. The guy could do everything. I only beat him at darts one time. And that's because he was like on chemotherapy. Yeah. Like that's the only time I ever beat him. He's so good at everything. Yeah. So, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. So where does that land you after the loss of uh, your father? 
what uh, happens? Well, it was kind of interesting because um, I was a little shaky with stuff, uh, but solid in my faith. What does that mean, shaky with stuff? Well, um, I just had... Uh, you feel really alone when you're sitting there. I, I left the, the, I left like two times, I think, um, from the, in 30 days from my dad's side. And I just felt really alone. And so when you're feeling those kind of emotions, you want to, excuse me, put them on somebody else that, you know, actually, sorry, you, Aaron, uh, texted me. And I remember the text, uh, while I was in those 30 days, uh, and um, that was really, really huge for me. But 30 days seems like eternity when you're in a hospice room. Oh, of course, yeah. But doesn't seem like that probably if you're living your life. And yeah. so I felt like uh, I'd convinced myself that I'd been abandoned. Really? Yeah, but it was not true. It was just like I had convinced myself that. And So uh, why did the text, I mean, like, I'm, I, I'm glad I yeah. texted you. Honestly, I think I remember. I, I don't. This ah, is where we're like. a long time ago. Yeah. I remember, if I can remember, you were going through stuff. I, for some reason, I thought like you wanted to be alone. Or yep. like that's what, like, that, I, thought, I thought you wanted to be alone for some reason. I was just like, nah, screw it. I'm just going to text yeah. him anyway. <laughs> like, I don't care if he wants to be alone. I don't think he should be alone. And I just texted you. I was like, it was like a. It was like not so invasive for a phone call, but I just wanted to text you to say what's up. It was awesome. It was it actually like, uh, it really meant a lot to me. Um, but there was this some kind of thought that maybe someone had articulated at one point that I didn't want people to call me uh, or I wanted to be alone. And so that's what everyone kind of thought. Oh, so someone like- It was a miscommunication. Gotcha. Someone said like, oh, okay, you know, he yeah. wants to be alone in his grief. Yeah. That's never good. No. Never, it's not good. It's <laughs> never good. You know what's crazy about That's the it, worst though? thing. I know. You I think I, I'm not gonna quote you perfectly, but I think you said I say a lot of things. Uh I think you said in the text, and this is how like much it meant, uh, I think I think you said in the text, um, I just want you to know that uh God is there for you and he hasn't forgotten you, or something like that. Um, and, uh, for me, like, especially the way that it was worded in light of that feeling, I was like imagining in my head, mm -hmm. like was really powerful. So yeah, that's just like Holy Spirit stuff. Yeah. Right <laughs> it's like using his people and stuff like that. Well, it's cool now because I get to be, uh, in a position where I can use that, uh, in ministry. To make sure that no one ever feels like that. What do you mean use that in ministry? Well, what I mean is like, sure, that was something that was really hard. Mm -hmm. But now with my position here uh, that God eventually called me to be a pastor, which I don't know why, uh, but I'm super glad. God has a tendency of using people that are not uh, not worthy to be in a position, All people that are broken. He what is it? He only uses broken people because that's the only people he has to choose from. Yeah, yeah. All the time. <laughs> so, All the time. So it's awesome, but now I get to be in uh, over a bunch of different ministries. One of them is uh, is visitation mm -hmm. and um, making sure that people know that they're loved when they're going through things like that. Mm. And um, I've been able to sit with people when they're uh, 
when their dads are, are dying or their moms or their wow. grandparents. Yeah. And uh, that's I've some of the able- most like holiest places too, yeah. right? Like it's when people are like, you have no, no other distractions other than like life and death and God and what you believe and stuff like that. Exactly. And uh, you have to think about it. Yeah. Because just like 32 days when you're living your life, uh, there's so many things that make you, that are distractions that make you not think about the fact that sure. this isn't our home. Yeah. Um, and as soon as you're in that, you see death, you have to like internalize it. Yeah. So uh, God has like used something that should be the most tragic event in my life. And it's very hard. I still miss my dad every day. Uh, I try to call him sometimes still, which is weird. Really? I'm sure if, if you guys out there have uh, had someone that you've lost, uh, you forget sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, but the thing is, like God was able to use something that was, should be terrible to like help so many people. Yeah. And uh, if I think about where my dad really is, you know, at uh, worshiping around the throne. Sure. Uh, with no more crying, no more pain. Um, I think about that. If that's true, then God was able to bring him home yeah. and help a lot of other people in the process. Yeah. And uh, it's just a different perspective. God yeah. gives you a different perspective. It's a very I mean? sacred place that like, now he's in a better place. Like right now he's in a better place worshiping, but then you get to help. You get to use that truth that, yeah, that truth, that thing you experience and like enter into other places with like empathy and a certain level of understanding and love. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. So, so let's talk about this ministry. So how did you, uh, how did you get called to being a pastor? How did you start there? Um, Yeah. I mean, we talked about it a little bit right now for, uh, people are curious. Like, so what's it like be, being called to being a pastor? <laughs> well, uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, one thing that's super important, and I'm so glad that I have this uh, medium to tell people this through. Uh, the first thing about when you're called to be a pastor, you have this like weird thing where your insides don't really match your outsides. What, uh, what I mean by that is like, okay, now I'm a pastor. <laughs> Like yesterday, <laughs> yesterday I wasn't, but today I guess I'm a pastor. Real quick, what were you before? Uh, I was a teacher. Gotcha. Yeah. What, what uh, of science. Okay. Yeah, I taught I taught uh, middle school science in two years of fifth grade as well. Gotcha. Um, and you were a pretty good teacher. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I didn't feel called to this, I definitely uh, would still be teaching. Yeah. I think I was a lifer. For For some of us for some of us out there, Jason and I go way back. And if you can't tell, but I remember him coming up with like experiments, like telling me about experiments, like with his bass guitar about like music and, and waves and yeah, waves and all this nonsense and like space and all this nonsense. Now I'm not like a schoolastic person. Schoolastic. <laughs> I'm just exposed that to the world. So. I'm just not. So this guy but, just got a master's degree in divinity. Yeah, yeah. So he's I'm, kind of a schoolastic I'm person. I'm not any of that, man. <laughs> no, this is not me. But I, I appreciate like someone who who can who who is passionate about their field, passionate about what they're passionate about and articulating and all that. So he was a is a phenomenal he's being very uh modest and humble. He actually like won awards and stuff for what I understand. But so you're you're getting called away from something you're passionate about, something that you're good at, yeah. something that you love and that you have experience in, into a field that I'm a pastor now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, tell us about that transition. Well, I'll tell you the hardest thing was uh, 
when you come from a field where, you know, I was doing trainings as a teacher. I like training other teachers how gotcha. to do stuff. Okay. Uh, not all the time, um, but, but I was. And um, I was a pretty good, pretty good teacher. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. And that's, I think, what it takes. I love the kids. Um, and so coming into a field where, uh, I don't know, I, I love the Bible, is, mm-hmm. But uh, everything else, everyone was talking at like a different level than me. Have you really? ever been in a Rupin? Uh, a Rupin? Have you ever been in a room where like you know you're the dumbest person? <laughs> you oh, probably yeah. haven't all been the, in the room all the time. But, all the time. <laughs> but it was like every room I was going in, I'm like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta, you just gotta be quiet. And, yeah. Mm, yeah, no, no, you know me well enough yeah. to know that that's not my strategy. <laughs> so. Uh, I'm a verbal processor, which is bad. It, well, you're, you're not the sharpest uh, person in the room. <laughs> but so it was really, really humbling for me. Like I kind of got this cocky attitude because I felt like. Oh, interesting. That I was really, uh, you know. Like in the teacher's world. Yeah. You were, was, okay, you were the Mac there. Daddy. You were the, I mean, you were the guy. If I would have asserted myself, yeah. I could have like <laughs> done something. But Okay. So, so, so it was uh, at first humbling then. Yeah, so humbling. And then there was like, uh, especially with the position I'm in, uh, there was just like a, a lot of confusion because it was a new spot. Mm-hmm. And so that was really, really tough. Yeah. And uh, people tell me, well, you need to do this to make sure that, uh, and so you do that thing, even though you don't think that thing's a good idea. And then all of a sudden, everyone's mad at you. Oh, <laughs> so, you so you got well, like, you're missing context and you're missing like application. And yeah. Lies. You, did you get like, how was the, was there training for you? Was there like, what did you do to like help that process along or what happened to help that process along? Well, our denomination is really awesome. Uh, and, uh, one of the things before I was able to even to preach here, I, uh, had a process through, uh, a license to exhort. Mm-hmm. Then I went, uh, as Explain I was Explain that real quick for sure. Basically what it is. Churchy people. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, why do, why am I saying all this jargon? Um, but here's the deal. Like if you're going to stand up in front of people and preach the gospel, it would be like really good if you kind of knew what you're talking about. Sure. <laughs> not, not like the, like the Jason of 21 years old. Yeah. He, he would bring people over from, yeah. yeah so you don't want 21 year old Jason and be like, here, preach. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's got nothing. I mean, maybe he's got something to say, but it's so helpful. Like uh, there's this inward calling and this outward calling. And so, uh, like, you feel like, hey, this is something I'm supposed to do. And then people affirm that. So the license to exhort is um, you're studying, you're reading the Bible and learning. And they ask you some questions about your walk and, and the Bible to make sure you're coming from a, a, a point that makes sense and mm-hmm. that you have an understanding of the Bible before you, like, lead people down a path. Maybe you should have never led them down. Gotcha. And, and so license sure to exhort is a bunch of pastors just saying, yeah, this guy, this is not 21-year-old, Thumbs Jason. Up, yeah. you, you can preach. Gotcha. Okay, so so that helped a little bit. It helped a little bit. Yeah. Then I had an article 23, okay. which is a churchy term for, okay, this guy is going to be a commissioned pastor in this classes. Mm. So basically, let's take, and you went through it, mm-hmm. uh, let's take, uh, what was it, like 45 minutes to ask them, every question out of the bible and they just sit there and answer it it's like kind of like no lie people there's like a room full of pastors seasoned pastors right and you are at the front with another seasoned pastor asking you questions now they're kind about it but like 
they'll ask you questions like what kind of questions did you get well so like who uh, who is god uh-huh. well i mean i i know who god is but how do i formalize that <laughs> into an answer like, ah hmm yeah is everything like, there's like uh what <laughs> why do bad things happen to good people yeah yeah. Like those kind of questions, like explain that. Or what is regeneration? What is justification? What is propitiation? Like, and you're like, I have to answer these questions. Those questions come up often. Like I to, know. From like the youngest kids too. Right. <laughs> so I'm so glad I know the answers yeah. to those. <laughs> so yeah. that training process for like the Bible knowledge and the content was good. But really the best training I guess I had was dealing with people. Mm. God taught me uh, this unbelievable truth. And I don't know if it was like an audible voice or anything, but uh, one time I was dealing with people and it was just going horribly. And, uh, and I was so like, there's so much sin going on. I'm like, why is this happening? And then I had this clear audible voice that shaped my whole ministry. Why are you shocked when sinners sin? Mm. And uh, some tweetable (laughs) stuff right there. So that like has changed my life. Like you're broken. You don't, you have these feelings of like, what is God even doing putting you here? Yeah. And there's a bunch of other people who are broken too. Why are you shocked by that? Yeah. You got to love them anyway. Once you realize you're broken, that's when you really understand that people are dealing with some stuff, man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, so so if, if someone's feeling called to be a pastor, maybe feeling inadequate or not just a pastor, like just ministry in general, like I, I feel like this is a lot of people where they want to step into ministry or what rather in in a bigger sense, want to step into what God has purposed out for them, but they don't feel adequate or they don't feel like up to par. Um, Or maybe they did step in and they're like, you know, in over themselves. Like, I feel like you have something to like some lessons to share. You are not up to par, Mm. but Jesus is. Yeah, that's good. You know, you are never going to be enough, but Jesus is is and so and the spirit like is working through you it says in hebrews 10 verse 14 by one sacrifice he made perfect forever that's the robe of righteousness we're wrapped in those who are being made holy so we're already perfected in this robe of righteousness that is this this robe of innocence and acceptance by god that's the life of jesus but he doesn't leave us there He works from the inside out to make our insides look like our outsides, gotcha. the way that he views us. And so you're not worthy. You're not. Yeah. Uh, and I think you probably feel that too. Yeah. The um, w- one thing, well, yeah, I, I for sure feel that, especially, <laughs> um, especially with starting out in ministry and even venturing out into new, you kind of get comfortable in ministry because you got it handled. And then like God gives you something else. Yeah. And you're like, mm, don't have this handled. Hold on. But uh, I wanted to say one thing that I've, I've noticed over the years. How long have you been a pastor now? Four years or so? Yeah, about. Um, one thing I've noticed <clears throat> that you've always had, <clears throat> excuse me, was a, was, a, was a weird, nice toughness about you. It was like a weird toughness, like not weird, but like abnormally weird or abnormal toughness. And here's what I mean by that is that uh, he, he served in ministry. Jason served in youth ministry for, for quite some time. And um, so I think that that's where you got your feet wet with ministry, right? Yeah, and the praise team too. And the praise team too. Yep. Yeah, and um, and I didn't I didn't really see you uh, deal with too many ministry problems. I didn't see it. If you did, I, I mean, I just didn't see it. But then you got to the pastor position, and just so y'all know, 
This man, Jason, he deals with a lot of stuff at the church that no one understands and no one wants to deal with. Jason, Jason, I say this often, Jason is the proverbial plumber because he keeps the crap moving, right? He just keeps this place oh, moving and, and it's dirty. It's like hard jobs. Like he's got to talk people down from ledges or, or visit visitations or uh, just do some, just a whole bunch of stuff that has to get done that otherwise people, ministries wouldn't happen. So if, if y'all are like, go to sunlight, y'all need to see uh, Jason, whenever you see him, just thank him for things that you, you don't even know that's, that's what's happening. Uh, but here's, here, here's what I mean by the toughness is I've seen uh, multiple people give him a hard time, myself included, uh, myself included, that give him a hard time or we, we struggle, especially like sinners when he was saying, sinners going to sin. Yeah, that's me. Sinners right? going to sin. That's sinner's a better way sin. to say it. You revolutionized it. <laughs> sinners going to sin, 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 right? And so, <laughs> uh, so and awesome. him and I are, are, are part of that. The, the thing is, He's taken a lot of uh, heat and a lot of fire and a lot of people complaining and bickering and maybe even gossip and lies. I don't know if you've experienced that. I've experienced that myself. But people gossiping and lying about you. And this is in church. For, for one part, you know, like what you said, sinners going to sin. Like, we can't be surprised about this. We can't be shocked. Maybe a little sad, but not surprised. Sad, but not shocked. But two, man, I've never seen someone just like, try to expressively love them or have empathy for them or have compassion for them or f- try to forgive them like Jason has. Jason has this like otherworldly toughness, abnormal toughness that like he could just kind of take it, internalize it because your like insides have been so changed or, or, or morphed. And, and I feel like, I mean, you might not feel that way, but I, I've, I've noticed that. And I like, Thanks, that's man. something to praise God for. You yeah, know what I mean? Like that's something, for that. yeah, for sure. And um, so real quick, I wanted to say thanks for all you do. I wanted to get Likewise. make sure that people know what you do. Like, there's so many things. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm glad I'm not that. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not taking care. But not Jason <laughs> is taking care of it. And so, yeah, I really want to appreciate and uh, support you in that way. Um, real quick, to wrap this uh, thing up, um, because I've already talked too much. Jason, do you All have right. anything that you want to leave anyone with from your life, your experience? God has shaped you and is continuing to shape you he's he's working out your testimony yeah is there anything you want to leave us with um like a nice like a lesson that you maybe might be encouraging someone out there who might have a similar testimony someone who might have lost their father dealing with um you know loneliness or walking into ministry uh you got anything for us wow uh i think one of those things are all whatever (laughs) i think maybe the key is just to, uh, I think people really feel like they want to belong somewhere. They want to be a part of something. They want to feel um, loved. And I guess the lesson that I've learned, man, I didn't get to brag enough about my awesome wife and the support that she's given and the change that she's made in my life and um, this unbelievable love I never thought I could get or deserve. Uh, but even in that marriage is just a way to see how broken you are. Mm. So even in that person that is like so far beyond what I could have ever expected, neither of us can fulfill the real true belonging that we want in each other. And I think like understanding that, uh, because of what Christ has done, you're accepted Mm -hmm. and, uh, that, that you belong to his family and that, uh, that's never going to change no matter, no matter what. Uh, if you're in God's family, you're in God's family. Yeah. And uh, so 
when you're struggling, maybe, I guess the lesson that I've learned is like when you're struggling of feeling inadequate, uh, it's like should be powerful because your inadequacies is what Christ has filled. Sure. And in your weakness, you understand you rely on him. Yeah. And so because of that, in ministry, we're all called to ministry, not just pastors. That's like the worst lie and rumor. Right. <laughs> it's like right. the worst thing. Every person is called in ministry. So if you feel a calling into a certain area, don't think that you're not good enough uh, because even though you're probably right, yeah. God's going to use you anyway. And he sure. has through the whole Bible. Yeah. So absolutely. I guess that's maybe what uh, my lesson is in my uh, life. Absolutely. Uh, big shout out to Carissa. Um, yeah, she's for, awesome. I for, love that uh, chick. Super good looking too. Man, did I outkick my coverage on that one. <laughs> great, great family, great kids. Um, and thanks for supporting um, Jason through all of it. Uh, hey, uh, before we close out, Jason, I got one last question for you. But hey, if you uh, made it to the end, we want to thank you. Thanks for giving us the love and the thumbs up and all that stuff. Yeah. Big shout out to the Cruises, Juan, Renee, Jackie, Tom. I mean, Mike, there's a whole bunch of y'all in here. Um, just thank you all. Sherry? Um, yeah, Sherry. I, this is a lot, man. Um, if, if you guys found this helpful, if you guys want to share Jason's testimony with someone who might not might think they're, they're trying to be a pastor or anything that might be relating to Jason, I'm sure Jason won't object to fielding any questions or whatever, speaking to that. Um, please do like, subscribe, share all the whole deal, just because we want to make sure that God's word um, and lived out in people's lives gets out there. Uh, but Jason, and thanks for joining us. Jason, uh, I got one last question for you. Sure. Why do you think God is awesome? I think God is awesome because he's literally the definition of awe. I mean, if you really think what awesome is, he's full of this idea of so far different than us, so much more than us, so much greater than us, and loves us in a way we can never even fathom. Mm. He's awesome. Mm. He changes lives. That's why. Mm, that's some good stuff. Thank you guys for joining us today, and we will see you guys next time. Awkward.